Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God, as we find it written in St. Luke's Gospel, reading there in the 12th chapter, beginning at the 35th verse. Let your loins be girded about, and your lights burning, and ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord, when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet, and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch, or come in the third watch, and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Dear friends in Christ Jesus, it is a rather gloomy Sunday, but I hope that all of us are glad that we can be here in God's house this morning to worship our Lord and our Savior. As you have heard me say, today is the last Sunday after Trinity. It also marks the last Sunday of this present church year. Next Sunday is the first Sunday in Advent. It also marks the beginning of a new church year. And in the Advent season, as you know, we turn our thoughts toward Christmas. But today is the last Sunday of another year of grace. And it has been the custom in the Lutheran Church for many centuries, in historic European churches especially, to set aside the last Sunday of the church year as Totenfest Sunday. Well, that's a German word. It means the Festival of the Dead Sunday. This Sunday set aside to consider and to think about our Christian dead, those who have left us in this past church year and those who have gone from us in previous church years. We say we have an empty chair in our home. Some of us have several empty chairs and on this last Sunday, we ask ourselves, if this is the festival of the Christian dead, what does Jesus have to say to us about our Christian dead? And the text that I just read is very appropriate for this Sunday. Our Lord spoke these words somewhere in the last four months of his earthly ministry. He was on the east side of the Jordan, over in Perea, heading for Jerusalem for the last time. And as regards our Christian dead, this is what he says. Regarding those who were ready when he came to receive them, he says, Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find ready. Blessed are those servants. And on this token fest Sunday, Jesus then assures you, and he assures me, as regard our Christian dead, that our Christian dead are most happy they are most blessed. They are most fortunate. They are more happy than you or I are. That your happiness and mine is now as a drop in the bucket to their happiness. They are much better off. 
than we are on this side of the Jordan. And I know that there are times when there's an empty chair in our home that we say to him, Lord, it's hard for me to believe that. You say that they are happier than we are, and we may respond and say, but Jesus, life is sweet. And when death came to our loved one and you've left a vacant chair, it cut them off in the prime of life. Oh, there was so much to live for. They had so much plan. There were dreams that they could dream and there were visions that they had seen. Life is sweet. You mean blessed are those servants? We may question that today, but Jesus says, I assure you, as regards those who have died in me, blessed are they. They are much happier than you are because Jesus reminds us that they are with him. When he comes, he came and he got them. They are with him. And this morning we may say to ourselves, well, just because our Christian dead are with Jesus, does that mean that they are most fortunate? They are most happy they are most blessed, much happier than you are this morning or that I am this morning, that our joys today are simply a little drop in the bucket in comparison with their joys. And as we may wipe away again our tears as we come to the end of another church year and we look at our Christian dead, Jesus says, they are much happier than you are because they are with me. And Christ would remind us in the first place that when he came down from heaven to this earth, he bore the guilt and the eternal punishment of our Christian dead, even as he bore your guilt and punishment and mine. You know, sometimes we are wont to forget some things. Why did God the Son ever come out of heaven? Why did he come into this world and become a human being, born of the Virgin Mary? Do we remind ourselves this day that he came also to bear the guilt and the entire punishment of our Christian dead? And as you and I look at him on Calvary, we say he was the propitiation for our sins and for the sins of the world. And to you and me this morning, that ought to mean this, that on the cross he took the guilt and the eternal punishment of our Christian dead and he paid that price in full when in his sufferings and death he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He paid the bill in full as regards the guilt and the eternal punishment of our Christian dead, even as he did for you and for me. And therefore, no wonder, Jesus says, Blessed are those servants. Will you believe me? They are much more happy than you are. Why? Because they are with him in heaven, and they are enjoying the acquittal of being freed forever from the eternal punishment of sin and from tears that come because of the result of sin. Where are our Christian dead right now? Sometimes we may wonder about that. We turn to the Word of God and we say, Are our Christian dead in some place where they are being purged and where they are atoning for some sins that they have committed? Are they in some place where they must go for a while before they may be admitted to heaven that they must make up for guilt and punishment? And on the basis of the Word of God, you and I say, Thank God not. Jesus paid it in full. 
He bore their original sin and punishment, and he bore also their punishment for every thought, word, and deed that they had ever committed when they put their faith and trust in him, and that therefore there is no punishment that they are enduring. There are no years of being purged for anything that they must atone for. Jesus Christ paid that bill for them once and for all on Calvary. Where are they then? Are they asleep in the grave? Is it true that man's soul is not immortal? Is it true that your soul and mine, when we were made in the image of God, when God breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life and we became a living soul even as God, is it true, as some would say, that your soul and mine is subject to death, to a nothingness, to, again, a suspended animation that the soul dies with the body and that, therefore, body and soul are buried in the grave? Oh, God forbid. You and I turn to the cross of Calvary, and when the malefactor called upon Jesus to remember him, Jesus says, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And Jesus said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Again, where are our Christian dead? They're with Christ in heaven. Not asleep in a suspended animation in the grave. Not in a place of purging. And because they are with our Lord, as Paul said, I've got a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better you and I must say to ourselves, they are much happier than we are. They are with their Lord in heaven. They are freed forever from any punishment. No punishment for any sin will ever come to their souls. No eternal punishment will ever come to their bodies. No tear will ever again touch their soul or their body. God says, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. No more tears, no soul in distress. Never will they ever say, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even as Jesus said here upon the earth. No sorrow, no result of sin, no pain, no anxiety, no worry. They shall forget in memory what a tear ever was. No tear shall ever set again on that soul are on that body, yes, their body, sleeping in the tomb. No pain will ever again touch that body. No sin, no illness, no heartache, freed forever. They have passed through the ordeal of death. They have, in the blood of Jesus Christ, been acquitted. And therefore, no punishment. They are with their Lord in heaven. No tear ever again to come into their existence. You and I, we may say we're happy, but oh Lord, again, life is sweet, yes. But you and I have the ordeal of death to go through with. And that isn't fun, is it? We say we're not afraid of dying, but death itself, when the soul is taken from your body and mind, we say, oh again, that's an ordeal. But we've got to go through that, yes. When it comes to tears, God knows the tears that will come into your life and mine before the day of death comes. Jesus says, blessed, happy are the dead. 
much happier than you and I because they are with him. Oh, today on Tulkenfest when we would say, Lord, I believe you, that they are much happier than we are, then we ought to determine once and for all to say, Lord, I'm never going to murmur. I'm never going to complain. I'm never going to get angry with you because you have brought a vacant chair into my home. Don't we sometimes in weakness get mad at God? And we say, God, why did you do it? Why did you take a loved one away? Uh, Don't you realize that life is sweet? Uh, Don't you realize that again uh, they have dreamed their dreams and they have seen their visions? Don't you realize, Lord? Sometimes we say, Lord, I'm mad at you. I'm angry with you. Jesus says, blessed are those servants. They're with me, Christ says. Won't you believe it? And then we'll stop murmuring and we'll stop complaining. And oh, when that self-pity overtakes us, a self-pity where we feel so forsaken of God, we won't entertain it for a moment. Oh, we'll cry and we'll shed our tears, to be sure. But oh, God, that they may be good tears and that we may have good grief. Oh, good grief, let's have good grief. Let's let our tears be good and not evil. Never resentment, never rebellion, never ill will. Jesus says, they're with me, forever freed from punishment. The memory of a tear obliterated forever from them. They are much better off than you and I. And when we will stop murmuring, we will stop complaining, We will spare ourselves the tragedy of despondency, of saying we don't want to live, of saying again because God has been evil to us and he hasn't been good, to drive ourselves to take our own lives. When Jesus says, blessed are those servants, that would be tragedy, wouldn't it? When Jesus says, won't you believe me? They are much happier than you are. That your joy is as a drop in the bucket in comparison with their joy. Token fest. We think of our Christian dead. Yes, all of us have got some vacant chairs, haven't we? Whether they occurred in this present church year, but all of us in the church years that have come and gone, we know what it is, do we not? There are vacant chairs. And Jesus says to you and me this morning, blessed are of those servants. They're with me. You and I say, well, if they are with him, does that mean real joy that they are happier and they are more blessed and more fortunate? We are to be sure because Christ reminds us that he returned to heaven from this earth in order to prepare heavenly mansions for the Christian dead and also for us too. You know, sometimes we forget When he told the disciples, he said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He said, In my Father's house are many mansions. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Don't we forget sometimes that when he left this earth, after he had raised himself from the dead, after he had appeared alive in a period of 40 days to his followers, that when he went back to heaven, the reason why he went back to take a throne, he, our Lord, was to prepare a place in the mansion for our Christian dead and for us too. 
And we say to ourselves, what must it be in the mansions in heaven where God lives, where it is perfection, to know that there is preparation in perfection for our Christian dead? And you and I stand with mouths open, don't we? And we say, what must it be like? No wonder the word of God says, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. What must it be like? That our loved ones are with Christ in heaven, enjoying forever the bliss of his marriage feast. He spoke these words in Perea, he said, And when the Lord comes back and finds his servants waiting, he will wait on them. Can you and I just for the moment imagine what it must be in heaven to know that our loved ones are being served by no less than the Son of God? God waiting on them. You and I say, oh, but life is so sweet. God the Son in person waiting on them. And thank God when he went back to heaven to prepare the mansions, he took his body along. Sometimes we forget that he's a human being in heaven. This Son of God that we sang about as we came into church this morning is also the Son of Man. Thank God that he's there with his body. And that means for our Christian loved ones that they feel at home. Oh, to feel at home. How many of you even in church this morning, you don't feel quite at home? I pity you if you don't. Oh, if there's something we could do to make you feel at home. But there are times when you and I don't even feel at home in our own home, don't we? Things seem strange. But oh, that our loved ones in heaven, because the Son of God is a human being waiting on, they feel at home. Do you know of any greater joy to feel at home than to feel wanted? Oh, I think it's a tremendous comfort that when the risen Christ appeared alive, he identified himself by his five wounds, one in each hand, one in the side, one in his feet, that in heaven, in this body of his, that our Christian loved ones can look. And there's the evidences of love. They can look at him who waits on them. He really wants me in heaven. He died for me on earth. He died on the cross. Can you imagine any greater joy than again to feel at home and to feel wanted all the time? That's a glimpse of the joy and the glory of our Christian dead in heaven. No wonder Jesus says, blessed are those servants. Oh, they're much happier than you or I in the very presence of God the Son being waited on by him. With 10,000 times 10,000 angels, think of it, what it must be to be in his home, 100 million angels. And all of them singing of the Son of God with his marks of distinction who loved us, loved our Christian dead, that he died for them. Oh, just to get a glimpse this morning as we bring a church here to an end. And then to say to ourselves that we're much happier than they, oh, we know that isn't true. And that ought to mean this, that when we can believe it this morning, blessed are those servants, that we are determined in our lives to, to thank Jesus for having come and taken 
our loved ones. How many of us have gotten to that place in our Christian life where we can stop and say, thanks, Lord. I know there's a vacant chair here, but thank you. You never make any mistakes. They are so much better off than I am. They are so much more fortunate, so much happier, that my joy now, even in you, is a drop in the bucket in comparison to their joy. Thanks, Lord, you came at the right time. It was the best time. And oh, when in your Christian life and mine, amidst tears at the end of a church year, we can turn not with any bitterness, but to say, thanks, Lord, you did just right. You took them because you wanted them in the eternal bliss of your eternal mansions. Then we experience a certain joy, and that's this joy of strength for the day. Oh, he knows what loneliness is. Certainly he does. Loneliness is something, isn't it? Oh, when the tumult and the shouting dies after the funeral, and again friends go back to their own ways and we sit alone, Loneliness, But you know, he knew what loneliness was, too. When he went into the Garden of Gethsemane, when he took Peter, James, and John, and he asked them to come and stay close, because, again, it was a trying moment in his life. He knew what it was. But when you and I can surrender our will to his, and we can say this was best, we experience something in our Christian life amidst tears that we say he does give strength for the day. We learn to live it a day at a time. And we feel his presence, and we know that everything is just right, that he never leaves us, that he never forsakes us. This becomes the experience when we can thank him, because, you see, he never makes any mistakes. There must come a time in your home and mine when the Lord Jesus Christ will take a loved one. And there must come a time when there is a vacant chair, but oh, when we can thank him, that lifts us up and we can say he never fails. I've got strength for the day. This is token fest. This is the one Sunday of the year when we look back and we think of our Christian dead and we say, what does Jesus have to say? And he said, blessed are those servants. Oh, they're most blessed, most fortunate of all of us. They are again the most happy of all of us. That they are much happier than you or I are, even though we have Christ. Oh, it's again, it's a happiness that it just can't be compared as regards our happiness now and theirs. Because Jesus also reminds us, and sometimes we forget this, that he's coming back. Coming back to this earth to raise up the bodies of our Christian dead and to create new heavens and a new earth. He's coming back, and he told the disciples that that day. So coming back. Why is he coming back? He's going to raise up the bodies of our Christian dead. Cemeteries, sleeping places is what it means. The beautiful connotation that even our bodies of the Christian dead are just in Mother Earth, just temporarily, and not to be there forever, a sleeping place. Because he's coming again. And he's coming again, what, to raise up the bodies of our Christian dead and to give them glorified bodies, incorruptible bodies. He made us human beings, you see, and therefore he hasn't forgotten our bodies in his great redemptive work to complete it just right. Bodies shall also be raised. And when he comes again, those bodies of our Christian dead will be raised in incorruptibility. 
and they will put on their souls that are now with him in heaven. And then in the great rapture with those that are still alive, meet him in the air. Come on, Jesus. And he will come. And he will create a new heaven and a new earth. And the old heaven and the old earth will be burned and will disappear. And John, you know, on Patmos and said, Nah, John, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, that God's eternal mansions reunited with a new heaven and a new earth. Our Christian loved ones raised in an incorruptible glorified body fit for the new heavens and the New birth, and you and I say, what joy? They've got this joy of eternal security. They know now that they are eternally secure. They'll never fall from grace. They'll never lose what they have. That on the last day in that judgment they will stand. They have no fear of it because they know that they've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. They know they have eternal security and they know in the new heavens and the new earth they will have a place. Jesus says, blessed are those servants. Oh, if you and I could only believe that. Oh, in the new heavens and the new earth, and John said, and I saw a multitude which no man could number tremendous. And in the book of Revelation, the figurative number is 144,000. That's a beautiful figure. The 12 patriarchs of the Old Testament, the heads of tribes representing the saved of the Old Testament, and the 12 apostles of the New Testament representing the saved of the New. 12 times 12 equals 144. And then multiplied by the figure of 1,000, which is the figure of completeness, 144,000. Here is the great victory of Jesus Christ and his church, that heaven will be filled. And our loved ones who have, again, they have fought the fight. They have eternal security. No sin, no heartache will ever come. Never will they lose the very presence of their Lord in the new heavens and the new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Jesus says to you and me as we think of aching chairs and we think about our dead, he says, listen, they are much happier than you are. They're with me. This is the Christ that again would call upon us, believe it then, and if we would believe it then we would say, this is first and foremost in your life and mine as we bring a church here to an end, to be ready all the time, because when he comes, he says, I'm going to come as a thief in the night. And sometimes perhaps we misunderstand that, and we say, why does he want to come as a thief in the night? Why does he want to come again when we least expect him? I wonder if we can't see some love and mercy. Suppose and Jesus would tell you and me the exact day and the hour when you and I were going to die. Suppose and he said you're going to die at the age of 75 on a certain Tuesday of a certain week. Oh, there would be in the weakness of your faith and mine and in our sins there would be a tendency to put off coming to Christ and say I've got plenty of time to go out and drink to the world that when that time would come that we would have hardened our hearts so much by sin that we wouldn't even want the Holy Spirit and so in mercy he says I am going to come unexpectedly so that you'll be ready all the time to be ready all the time it means again no sin in your life and mine today unrepented of what a joy to have Holy Communion this morning that Jesus says, by means of lowly bread and wine, I'll give you my body and my blood, those tremendous erasers. 
and those erasers, my body and blood that I gave and shed on Calvary for you, when you receive that, you can be assured that they will erase from your soul every unforgiven sin. If you ask me, they will erase from your soul every bit of guilt and every bit of condemnation that you can stand before me today on this last Sunday of this church year as though you had never sinned. This is the comfort that we can have. And then the joy when we are ready at all times of a blessed reunion. How many of us remember that the grave is not the end of man? How many of us remember that we've got a Christ that says, your loved ones are gone only for a brief time. There will be a blessed reunion. I had an experience the last time I flew up to Minneapolis here late this summer for the meeting of our board. I chose to fly through Milwaukee, and as I was seated in the airport in Milwaukee waiting for my plane to come in to take me to Minneapolis, there was standing near me a man and a woman and a little girl about 12 years of age. They were very clean, but again, they were very simply dressed. And I wondered as I looked at them waiting for the plane whether perhaps this was going to be their first plane trip. There seemed to be an anxiety and little apprehension. But it wasn't long before the plane came in and the passengers began to embark on the plane. And I saw this mother standing there. There was a look like this. Then I saw a boy come off of the plane. He was a soldier. And he carried a little luggage. And on the luggage it said Vietnam. And I sensed right away what it was. And as he came in, she went up to him threw her arms around him and held him close. And I was standing right there and I saw her whisper. I knew she was thanking God. And Dad stood there and he began to cry. And he walked over. He threw his arms around his wife and his son. And then the little girl walked over and she threw her arms around his waist. And there in the terminal stood four people. And I watched the mother. She kissed that boy. And then she whispered. There was a silence at that gate in Milwaukee. All of us who were standing there realized we were on holy ground. And there were tears that were shed. We didn't know them. But Mother would kiss, and then she whispered. And then with her arms around her boy, they walked away. Reunion. What it must be on that day to see our Christian loved ones again and to be with them forever. Oh, let's good grief. Let's have good grief this morning. And as we look back, let's sing on the glory road. We've got a Christ that gives us every comfort. They're better off than we. And let's let this again as we close this church here be our song as we walk the glory road. Oh, to be watching and waiting, ready to welcome the Lord, whispering hope like the song of the angels, Jesus, thy love is sweet music, sweet music to me. Lift up your hearts, blessed are those servants. Amen.
The peace of God which passeth all human understanding, keeping unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.